Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Let us solve your toughest communication problems and leave your team stronger and more capable for the challenges that lie ahead. Visit www.provisionadvisors.net to learn more. All right, welcome aboard, ladies and gentlemen, another great episode of the Sing Second Sports Podcast. I am your host, John Schofield, former PAO at the Naval Academy and loyal Naval Academy sports fan. Joining me is Bill Wagner of the Capital Gazette and Baltimore Sun Newspapers. Chris Cervello, class of 99, PAO extraordinaire, is our producer. Today, ladies and gentlemen, is March 28th, 2023. Spring has sprung. It's upon us. Um, March is going to be April here very, very soon at the end of this week, but we're releasing this pod on March 28th because this date has special significance. It happens to be the 50th anniversary of the release from captivity at the Hanoi Hilton for Dave Hoffman, a member of the class of 1962. We were able to talk to him this week, but before we get to that audio, ladies and gentlemen, support your local journalism efforts, support the local paper here. Subscribe and read Bill Wagner's story about Dave Hoffman this week. He has not missed a game since the late 90s, since a young plebe named Chris Cervello was marauding around Stribling Walk. But Wags, please introduce the listeners to this interview by telling us a little bit about this amazing story and this amazing man. Well, I'll be perfectly honest with you, John. I knew nothing about Dave Hoffman's backstory until Navy Sports Information Director Scott Strassmeyer filled me in. I, I just always knew him as the really nice elderly gentleman who's worked the scoreboard for Navy athletics events for as long as I've been covering Navy, it seems. And, um, you know, it turns out that he is a, a true American hero and flew all sorts of combat missions and then unfortunately was shot down over Vietnam. And uh, land, you know, he had to eject at high speed a uh, very difficult ejection situation, uh, which he, you know, he's a very modest man. He, I, I, like so many of his generation, he doesn't consider himself an American hero. He feels like he just did his duty. Um, but, uh, you know, it was fascinating to speak to him about it and learn a little more about, you know, we read the history books about the infamous Hanoi Hilton, which is the prison in Vietnam where they held all, most of the American prisoners of war and it was just absolute horrendous conditions. Um, funny story, him saying about how they like to do everything they could to sabotage the uh, Vietnamese is almost like a Hogan's Heroes type story. Uh, they had the American POWs working on the vehicles, doing maintenance work, and they would pour sugar in the gas tanks. And somehow the Vietnamese never figured it out. But uh, <laughs> it's so you know, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I, again, I didn't know he was at a naval kind of graduate. He's just so unassuming. I, I knew nothing about this backstory. And I tell you what, John, I've gotten a massive amount of, uh, you, know, you know, feedback from this story, emails, uh, text messages. Um, so many people enjoyed reading it. And, and uh, uh, at least 25 people posted to Twitter uh, that, you know, how, impressed they are by Dave Hoffman. And, and one, I just read one recently before we came on air from, a, a, it said that 
One thing the story does not tell is how many midshipmen Captain Hoffman has sponsored. And he said this one poster said, I would not have made it through the Naval Academy without his guidance. So uh, just a great guy. You know, if you, if you ever meet him, he's just very, very nice and unassuming, but pretty darn impressive uh, what he has he accomplished during his life. And we're so glad to have him in Annapolis. His wife, who was a captain, was assigned here. They were living in California and she got transferred to the academy. And uh, she actually served as the officer rep for the women's basketball team. And that's kind of what brought Dave around Navy athletics. He was coming to the women's basketball games. And I guess Strauss is like, you know, would you want to do stats? And he said, sure. And they quickly moved him over to running the scoreboard. He's been running the scoreboard for all football, men's and women's basketball, men's and women's lacrosse. He tells me that at the beginning of the year, he gets the schedule from Strauss. He puts every game down on his calendar and he makes sure he doesn't have a conflict with anything. That, I mean, I, I, how you don't miss a game. I've missed games. Um, it's remarkable. His dedication. I also, John, I didn't know that he rode show horses, uh, which is pretty funny, too. I mean, he, I would not look at Dave Hoffman and be, that man rides show horses. <laughs> I, I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, I when when you talk to Dave Hoffman and if you've seen him around games, and it, it, again, this isn't Madison Square Garden, please, please, please come out. And, and during basketball games, come down and, and shake Dave Hoffman's hand. You can't miss him elderly gentleman there, uh, at the, uh, at the scores table, um, just such a nice man. And, and yeah, it didn't surprise me at all that he rode show horses. He's just an international man of mystery. Um, ladies and gentlemen, for, for every, for every story that we do on this podcast about the X's and O's about how lacrosse won or how basketball lost or whatever happens, the chance that we get to tell special stories about alumni like Dave Hoffman, this is what keeps bringing us back. That's the special sauce of Sing Second Sports. Uh, Dave Hoffman is certainly sung second in life. He is an incredible example of what a Naval Academy grad is and should be. And you know what? Don't ask him to brag about it because he won't. Without any further ado, here is our short interview with Dave Hoffman on this, the anniversary the 50th anniversary of his release from the Hanoi Hilton. What a great man. Here is our interview. We're on today with class of 62 grad, friend of Navy sports, and former POW during the Vietnam War, Dave Hoffman. Dave, March 28th is the 50th anniversary of your release from captivity. For those of, you know, of our listeners who have not heard your story, if you can just recount you know, your captivity, the circumstances around that, and, and what this date means to you. Well, uh, I was shot down in December of uh, 71 and uh, basically captured in the air. So because uh, I came down right in the middle of the little village and was taken up to Hanoi and spent the next 15 months uh, enjoying the pleasures of uh, Hanoi. <laughs> um, Dave... What did you learn about, we talk a lot on this podcast about resilience. We talk about, you know, what the lessons are on the athletic field and how they arm you with what you need. What we talk about on this podcast is how sports builds resilience that, you know, as you uh, go out of uniform, um, you know, maybe you work for Hewlett Packard, maybe you, maybe you're still a four-star admiral, or maybe you just have a small business 
you know, the, the idea of resiliency, what you learn on the athletic fields is, is central to that. You know, what, what lessons did you come away with, you know, with, with years of captivity in, in such unbelievable um, circumstances? You know, what lessons still guide you today? Well, I think the thing that you learn, and, and basically at the Naval Academy, whether it's sports or just the Naval Academy, is don't ever give up. Uh, we're going to go home tomorrow. Now, tomorrow, when you get to it, tomorrow is today. So, uh, you know, you join the Christmas and Easter club. If you're not home by Christmas, you're going to be home by Easter. So, was there ever a point... And, and this might sound like a dumb question, but was there ever a point in your captivity where you didn't think you were coming home? No, never was. We, I think uh, the majority of us, there may have been some people who had that uh, kind of thing, but the majority of us knew our country, our people were never going to desert us. We were coming home sooner or later. What conversations were you able to have, you know, not only in captivity, and, and I don't know if you were able to in captivity, but out of captivity you know, with, with other POWs, maybe the John McCain's of the world and other graduates of the Naval Academy, you know, we, the Alumni Association, the Academy has been made, making a concerted effort. In fact, US and I yesterday had a POW forum, you know, that, telling this story so that it doesn't get forgotten because some of these, some of these stories of what you went through in captivity are so central to what character and bravery are. Well, we've had, uh, uh reunions of almost every year since uh, since we came home. Uh, of course, there was the reunion that, that, that the president held at the White House, but but uh, uh, every every year I think there's been a reunion, whether it be in San Antonio, San Diego, wherever. And uh, we always get together and, and talk about stuff. Now, we don't spend a lot of time talking about the Hanoi experience because who wants to talk about it? You know what I mean? I do. Um, you know, focusing on the positive, what you've done coming home, you've really thrown yourself into your alma mater. I mean, starting back in the mid-90s, you know, working with Scott Strassmeyer and the sports information department, if you go to a men's or women's basketball game, you are a central part um, of that experience, working the scoreboard as you, as you do. You know, why, why do you choose to give back to your alma mater? To be honest, it keeps you young, keeps you involved with the kids and and uh, doing stuff that that keep you from just getting getting old too fast. <laughs> so you're you're in your eighties now. What what goals do you have going forward? What's going to keep keep you young uh, before you get old too fast? Well, I think we need to win the Patriot League, and that would keep me nice and young. <laughs> well, we talk at length about you know how long that drought has gone on, and and we have Mike Heary on all the time, you know, as the last vestige of those teams in '97 and '98 that went to the tournament. You know, what what are your memories? Uh, you know, of those years. That's right when you had come back and you were working, you know, to, to support Navy basketball. What, what are your memories of those of those trips to the NCAA tournament? Unfortunately, we didn't get to go because we were just the table workers here. But uh, it, it just was a lot of fun watching the guys and the gals uh, get, get 
some really good seasons in, and I, I think we're not far away from breaking loose again. Well, let's hope so for sure. Dave, before I let you go, you know, the, we talk at, at length on the podcast about what the Naval Academy is and why it's such a special place, and everyone has an individual story. What's your individual story? What makes the Naval Academy not only your alma mater, but a place that you still want to spend time? It's just what the place stands for and the way it, the way it does things. Uh, we just have a different uh, outlook on things than, than regular colleges do. And I think that when you, when you go and, and say to a dinner and listen to the midshipmen speak, uh, and then you hear somebody from another, another school uh, speak, there's just a world difference in the class and quality of the guys. Not that I'm putting down anybody else, but uh, uh, the midshipmen in general and, and the people at the Naval Academy just represent our, our country, our school, extremely well. So as this podcast comes out, it'll be March 28th. As people are listening to this interview, that will be the actual 50th anniversary of your release from captivity. Do you remember the emotion you had when you found out that you were actually coming home? Uh, They did what they were required to do and told us that we were going to be released about a month before we were. So all I can remember is thinking I'll, I'll believe it when I see it, but I sure hope it's true. Dave, I, I have no words um, other than you, you, are, you are an American hero. You are such a great supporter of, of your alma mater and the Naval Academy itself. Um, you know, we, we thank you for your service. You know, as, as March 28th comes, um, what, what will you actually do on, on this day? You know, will, will it start with a cup of coffee and just go into work, or will you take some time to, to remember what your experiences were? Well, I... I don't know whether I've got a, a ball game that day. I think there's one on the 29th. But uh, uh, I'll probably get up, have a cup of coffee, as you said, and then go over to my uh, barn in uh, Cambridge and, and play with the horses for a while because it keeps me going. <laughs> Dave, we appreciate your time. Thank you so much for what you do to, uh, with the Naval Academy. and. You know, on this, the 50th anniversary of your release for captivity, we thank you for your service. Uh, thank you for what you do, and thank you for joining us on the Sing Second Sports Podcast. Thank you for having me. All right, Dave. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Dave Hoffman, class of 62. Look for him working the scoreboard at Navy basketball games for the men's and women's teams going forward. He is not stopping, nor should you stop supporting the U.S. Naval Academy and Sing Second Sports. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to take this thing out. Stick with us. All right, Sing Second fans, a few announcements from our friends at the Naval Academy Athletic Association. Join the midshipmen at Camden Yards as they take on UMBC this Wednesday, March 29th at the home of the Baltimore Orioles. First pitch is slated for 6 p.m. Tickets to the game are just $10 and can be purchased by visiting orioles.com slash UMBC Navy game. Speaking of baseball, Navy fans, mark your calendars for April 8th as the Mids host the first ever Bark at the Park at Max Bishop Stadium. 
Fans are invited to bring their furry friends for a day of baseball as the midshipmen take on Holy Cross in a doubleheader starting at 1 p.m. The first 100 fans in attendance will receive a free collapsible dog bowl that's Saturday, April 8th as the mids take on Holy Cross. Now back to the pod. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back. What a great conversation with Dave Hoffman. Um, what a great, great man. And uh, it just brings into perspective what certain days like today mean and should mean. And uh, we love doing our part uh, to help everyone remember what Dave Hoffman did and what he continues to do for Navy Athletics. Who else continues to do for Navy Athletics, ladies and gentlemen, as I am so good at the segue? Um, let's talk a teeny tiny bit about women's lacrosse. So it just keeps rolling on wags, um, a trip up to Lehigh, you know, on a kind of terrible weekend. Um, no, that's fine. We're going to go up there and stomp those dudes, uh, 15 to four, a very good Lehigh team. They were one and one in the Patriot league at the time, six and two overall. And we went up there and crushed Lily Denton with another great game a bunch of hat tricks, Tori DiCarlo, uh, Lola Leone. And by the way, Ava Uvino, who we talked about on the last podcast, went ahead and filled the stat book again uh, with three goals and three more assists. Wags, this was something that we expected, not necessarily the margin of victory was expected, but you've got to love the trajectory of this team. Absolutely, John. And what's uh, really encouraging is uh Goalkeeper Emma Richardell had another big game. That's two games now in a row with double-digit saves. The defense is playing lights out. I mean, to hold Lehigh to four goals, oh, that's that's remarkable. So, I mean, it, it, that to me, that game was a story of defense. The offense did its part, of course, but that was a tremendous defensive performance. Navy outscored Lehigh 7-0 in the second half, um, and that's what Coach Cindy Timshaw was praising the defense afterwards. Yeah, next up for uh, the ladies, a little midweek festival this week. Uh, tomorrow night, as you're listening to this, Wednesday at 6 p.m. versus Lafayette, I will be in attendance and will be bringing you updates. If it's a women's lacrosse game, ladies and gentlemen, you can bet it's going to be cold and windy, so come on out to Navy Marine Corps Stadium and support them. How did the men do? Well, Wags, we said we had they had to go up there to uh, – scenic Worcester, Massachusetts and beat jail Reppert and Holy Cross. And that's exactly what they did. Wasn't as easy as we hoped it would be, but a 13 to eight victory um, really powered by Max Hewitt, who just peppered the goal for five goals. Um, but yeah, you know, a win is a win is a win. As we say in the business wags, um, you know, what were your observations other than Hewitt's big game? Well, as you said, John, that's a game you just almost had to win, uh, you know, with six game losing streak. And you got a team that's winless, really just was an absolute must win in my view. Um, you know, and it was good to see Max Hewitt get get going with the five goals. He, he hasn't been as productive as he was last season. Uh, coming into this game, he had 10 goals on the season. So, he, you know, he put up half of that amount in one game. It was good to see. And uh, John Jaros, the attackman, is doing a nice job filling in for Xavier Arline, playing behind the cage, and he had three goals. He's a big boy who can do some damage, Severn School kid, local product. Uh, so big, big win, and then they're back home uh, this Friday night, John. 
Yeah, I'll tell you, Wags, I was a little bit concerned. It was early in the fourth quarter, and Holy Cross scored to make it 11-7. And I was like, oh, man, uh, this is not what this team needs. And as you just said, Jaros turned around less than 30 seconds later, got Navy back on the board to put him up 12-7, and the rest was history from there. I do love you know, seeing the Jaros name, seeing the Keegan Hauser name when it pops up every once in a while. Uh, just the local products that we've been seeing since they were playing scoopers. Uh, I, I just love seeing them in the Navy uniform representing so well. And as you said, back in action, ladies and gentlemen, Friday night lights, as we like to say, against Boston University at 7.30 p.m. coming out and support them. So Wags mentioned Xavier Arline. Xavier Arline did not play in the win over Holy Cross. We don't know if we'll see him against BU this week, but we were able to catch up with him at a recent football practice. Without any further ado, here's a quick snippet of our interview with Xavier Arline, where he kind of tells us how the balance is going and whether we will see him in a lacrosse uniform again this season. All right, so ladies and gentlemen, we're out here at spring practice with Navy quarterback and attackman on the lacrosse team, Xavier Arline. Xavier, you weren't up there at Villanova. Yeah, you, know, you weren't playing the other day. Now you're out here at spring practice. Talk to me a little bit about uh, the injury and what you're going through and how the balance is going. You were out on the podcast a couple of weeks ago uh, talking about how you're balancing it. How's it going so far? Um, you know, obviously it always gets off to a tough start when you're injured. Uh, that's never what, you know, you want to happen. But getting a lot of treatment in, making sure I take care of myself. And honestly, when you play one sport, you know, you expect injuries. When you play two, you're definitely going to have some. But it's just about being able to, you know, stay proactive and, and be able to ultimately get to a point where you can fight through it and play because you're always going to have something nicked up. Um, in terms of balancing both, uh, this is where it gets hard. You know, it was hard balancing you know, being around the guys in certain areas. But now that you're, you know, in the midst of having two practices, two different sports a week, uh, that's really where, you know, it's going to be huge. And so far it's been it's been good. The coaches have been, you know, really accepting on both ends. Um, and the guys have been responding pretty well. So I'm just excited to be out here. So you're out of the dark ages, out of spring break. I know for athletes, particularly dual sport athletes, it isn't a whole lot of a break. But now that the weather is getting warmer and you're out here doing, uh, you know, doing your thing, do you feel, do you feel a little bit of that optimism of a new coaching staff, a new beginning, a new opportunity? Yeah, you could feel it since day one. You know, it's just a different feeling in the building. Uh, it was a good thing. Um, change is good, I believe, when needed. Um, and you know, you could feel it out here. You know, the operation, the way every guys are moving, the intensity, everything like that is uh, it's huge and it's making a difference. And we look good so far. Coach Newberry said today it was the best start of you know offense versus defense in, in his four years um, this early. So it's good good to see that. All right. So are we going to see you on the lacrosse field? Again, this season, it's the beginning of the Patriot League slate. The Villanova game, I've said many, many times that I hate that sort of non-conference thing in the middle of the week. But now you've got a slate of Patriot League games ahead of you on the lacrosse field. I know we're out here playing football, but are you going to play again for the lacrosse team? Yeah, most definitely. Uh, my priority has always been to be where my feet are. So when I'm over here, I'm 100% over here. When I'm over there with those guys, I'm 100% over there. But uh, got to handle stuff here when I'm here. And then, you know, next next week when we got a game, there's no conflict. I'll be there. So I'll be back on the field next week. Xavier Arline, getting ready for the fleet by balancing a lot of things. That's how you're successful. Thank you so much for joining us. We're out. 
All right, another set of announcements from our friends at NAAA. Navy women's lacrosse returns home Wednesday, March 29th to take on Lafayette at 6 p.m. It will be Girl Scout Day. All area Girl Scouts are invited to join the Navy women's lacrosse team on the field during introductions. Remember, all women's lacrosse games are free to attend. Speaking of lacrosse, Navy men's lacrosse returns to Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium this Friday, March 31st, as they take on Boston University at 7.30 p.m. For tickets, call 1-800-US-4-NAVY or visit NavySports.com. Now back to the pod. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back. Uh, great having Xavier Arline give us that perspective. Um, love the kid's energy. I, I, I love his focus. I personally don't know whether I would have him play anymore. And before we get into our next interview, which is with former uh, Navy lacrosse player Ian Crumley, Wags, your thoughts on whether you bring Xavier Arline back, whether you sit him and preserve the idea um, of him competing for the starting quarterback position. And a lot of this goes back to what you wrote um, after a recent spring football practice about who the other quarterback options are out there. We mentioned that Brian Newberry didn't have a a death chart um, when he started spring practice, which might've been, you know, firing a five inch 54 round over uh, Xavier Arline's bow. But Xavier Arline thinks he's playing again this year. If you were Brian Newberry, would you like it? Yeah, that's an interesting question, John. I'll be writing a story this week about the young quarterbacks. You were out there and saw me interviewing Teddy Gleaton and Blake Horvath. And, you know, I think the coaching staff likes getting an extended look at some of these young QBs. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think they know what they've got in Xavier Arline. But, yeah, I mean, obviously, and, you know, we talked to Ivan Jasper as well when we were out there Thursday. And he said, yeah, I, I'd like to have the two quarterbacks who are the most experienced that have all the game experience out of here because they're installing a new offense. That's the key element. Um, you want them there, there's going to be new wrinkles, new plays, new formations, etc. And you want the guys with experience actually running these plays in practice. So it's not a good situation on that end, but it is very good for the young quarterbacks. And I guarantee you that when fall practice runs, rolls around, you know, and they're going to get started early this year because, uh, Navy Notre Dame in Ireland is in what they call zero block. It's not, it's prior to what would be the first week of all other college football game. So I think Navy's probably going to start practicing in late July. And I guarantee you one of the young fresh, the sophomore quarterbacks, Gleaton or, or Horvath is going to be atop the depth chart. So Ty, and hopefully he's fully recovered from his knee surgery and will be ready to compete. And Xavier will hopefully be in good health and they're going to have to uh, earn their spots. Yeah, it, it's, it's tough, right? Because I love the idea of Xavier Arline being the guy um, who not only manages both sports, but excels at both sports and, and leads us to glory in both sports. And I'm just afraid that the injuries now that he's accumulated in lacrosse, that that in some way, you know, not only keeps him from getting glory in one sport, but in each sport, um, you know, and that he loses out on his chance to lead the offense on the football field. Uh, against Notre Dame and beyond. But we'll keep you updated as we go through. And like we said, 7.30 p.m. on Friday against BU, we'll see if Xavier Arline is back in the lineup. Folks, 
We are going to go to break. But before we do that, we'd love for you to listen to an interview with another former Navy lacrosse player, Ian Crumley. Ian is a former special warfare operator. He is now in the business of helping first responders, DOD, government, um, in the idea of human performance and peak performance and combining sleep and stress management and diet and everything in order to be a peak performer. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, let's talk to Ian Crumley, former Navy lacrosse player and now an executive at O2X. It is now time, ladies and gentlemen, for my favorite installment, which is the alumni installment of the podcast. And today we are super happy. It's lacrosse season. So we you know, would like to talk to a lacrosse player, former member of the class of 2012 um, at the U.S. Naval Academy, Ian Crumley, now working for O2X Human Performance. Ian, thank you for joining the pod. If you can, catch the listeners up with what your athletic career at the Naval Academy was like, what playing under the esteemed Richie Mead was like as a lacrosse player, and what you've been doing since. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, yeah, so uh, like you said, class of 2012. Uh, NAPS class of 08. That's important to note. Uh, so yeah, I played for Richie Mead for three of my years. And then my senior year, we had Rick Soul come in. Uh, I graduated and service selected surface warfare. I then went on, uh, did two tours on ships. I then lat transferred over to NSW, uh, sustained an injury going through BUDS, but was fortunate enough to be able to kind of kept in the community and stayed there as the AOPS for BUDS. And then went on to be the deputy ops over at SEAL Team 3, and then finished out at the Office of Naval Intelligence as the OPSO for Naval Warfare Department. So I did 10 years, uh, got my MBA from the University of Virginia Darden School of Business, and I uh, was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, and uh, found a great role with a company called O2X Human Performance. So Wags is going to hit you up with all of the cross questions, but let's talk about O2X really quick. So O2X works with clients to elevate culture, improve mental and physical well-being, support light, healthy lifestyles, and reduce reduce healthcare costs. Talk to us a little bit about what that involves. I know you've had a lot of stuff with first responders, particularly in Loudoun County across the country. You have arrangements with the Surface Warfare Officer School up in Newport, Rhode Island. Talk to us a little bit about what, what O2X actually is and the goodness that it delivers. Yeah, so O2X is founded by three former SEALs, uh, one of which was a class of 89 guy. Uh, we also have a Kings Point grad, so we try not to hold that against him in the service academy talks too much. But what we do really, like you said, is we're, we design uh, comprehensive science-backed programs to public safety, federal law enforcement, and the mil military. So what that looks like really is twofold. It's one, you know, we recognize the occupational health hazards that these, we call them tactical athletes, deal with on a daily basis. And what we do is we provide them with resources, training, and education to support addressing a lot of those issues. So injury prevention, sleep education, nutrition, strength conditioning, and resiliency. So what we do is we deliver that in really kind of two different formats. One is a classroom setting. Uh, it's a hybrid learning environment where we bring in those subject matter experts to really custom and tailor their programming to support folks where they're at to help them lead healthy lifestyles moving forward. So that, you know, is really like, like you were mentioning with Loudoun County and our, our presence with uh, the Surface Warfare Officer School. That's what the department heads, PXOs, PCOs, and major commanders go through. So they are learning takeaways about how they can reflect on themselves and make those incremental changes to be better leaders uh, for their ships. 
We also have a full-time presence at a lot of federal law enforcement and some DOD agencies. And that looks like uh, you know full-time support on site where we have members who are aligned with leadership there to help drive specific programs within their uh, human performance aspects. So that could be an injury prevention specialist, strength conditioning specialist, registered dietitian. And those really are to provide uh, resources to those members to help them be as, as proficient as they can in their jobs. Wax? Ian, if you could go back and maybe cite the most memorable moment for you playing lacrosse at Navy? I think it has to be, uh, I was listening to the, the Ian Dingman interview that you guys did last week, and obviously Hopkins was last week. Uh, my team was the first team to, to beat Hopkins twice, and I think uh, my senior year, the last game of the year, we beat Hopkins, I think it was 8-2. Um, we had a, we are going into the game, you know, five and six, everyone expected us to kind of just, you know, lose. And that, that was going to be our season. We're going to finish with losing record. But uh, we came out and and beat Hopkins the second time. And that was uh, probably the most memorable, memorable moment in my uh, my career. That was the Navy Marine Corps, right? Yep. That was, it was unreal day. Uh, it was the last game of, of my career. And uh, we really kind of went out with a bang on that one. Can you talk about the difficulty, uh, I mean, toward the end there, uh, Coach Mead had a couple tough seasons and was let go, and that was a very difficult transition. Uh, you know, what was it like for you guys? You all were the seniors that had to try to navigate that. Yeah, it was definitely uh, definitely difficult. I think you know the role that I'm in now about the programming we deliver around resiliency. I think would have been a very beneficial uh, program to have back then. Um, you know, going from a guy like Richie Mead, who's just just an incredible human and incredible coach and leader. Um, into, and this is nothing, nothing against Rick soul, just, you know, just a different mindset from what we were used to. And it was changing the culture of the team while still trying to remain true to who we are. And that was definitely tough as, as seniors coming in, you know, having played for Richie for three years, uh, and coming in and, you know, a whole new staff, that was definitely one that was difficult, but, you know, we, we had some ups and downs and, you know, we ended up, you know, finishing the season at 500, which not great, but, uh, it was a step in the right direction from the the year prior. Year prior, so definitely uh, one that you know it was tough, but a lot of things I learned from leadership and kind of set me up really well for for my naval career. And can you talk about the bonds you developed with the players that you uh, were on the lacrosse team at the time? I know you're probably the seniors, but I'm sure there's guys that were younger that you still stay in touch with. Oh yeah, uh, the the Navy Lacrosse Network is is pretty tight uh, to this day. I mean, I'm on like probably four group chats with guys going all the way from class of 07 through class of 16. So, you know, a lot of um, I think regardless of whoever's in the seat as head coach, the the culture of Navy Lacrosse is one that runs deep, and you know we all sort of get cut from the same cloth, and that's something that we can take. You know, wherever we are, um, I mean, I was in Iraq and I had four Navy lacrosse guys with me working together. And that was pretty, pretty great. You know, that's that instant bond, instant connection around, you know, shared values. So staying, staying tight with everybody is, is you know, great. We you know get together pretty often. We were a lot of guys were out for the Hopkins game last week. And, you know, Coach Ample has done a really good job of getting the, the alumni involved and helping, you know, stay tight with the current team and helping to sort of forge that, that spirit of Navy lacrosse. So what do you feel it's going to take to get Navy back to a point where they're going to the NCAA tournament again? You know, it, Richie Mead had it going for a while there and Navy was a regular NCAA tournament participant. And 
you know, Rick Soul wasn't able to get it done. And now Joe is finding that it's not so easy to just turn things around. I mean, college lacrosse is incredibly competitive. There's programs everywhere. Uh, it's hard to get all the, it's not like the old days when Navy could guarantee getting, you know, a high percentage of the top players. What, what do you think is going to happen here? So I think the biggest thing is, like you said, the the landscape from when I played, you know, 15 years ago has really changed to, to today. Um, I mean, I think Joe's the right guy for the job. He's an incredible coach and leader and he gets Navy lacrosse. Um, I just think it's, it's staying, you know, it's going to take time. Right. I mean, I think the big thing is staying with this team, staying positive, understanding that they might've dropped a couple games they shouldn't have, but it's a good group of guys. They have the right players. It's just, it takes time to kind of figure that out. I mean, I know this is, this is not a cop out, but coming out of COVID it's, you know, it's still difficult dealing with everything that's gone on in the yard, uh, rebuilding that culture from really having two seasons kind of taken away from you. That, that's hard to come back from. And I think that given all the other requirements of being a midshipman and being at the Naval Academy, we can't, focus like other programs around the country have been able to do where they're full-time lacrosse players. I mean, everything that these guys have on their plate, in addition to playing lacrosse is something that's, you know, takes time to, to build, especially in this competitive atmosphere that is division one lacrosse these days. So Ian, I was just having a conversation this morning with a grad um, and a former athlete. In fact, a former captain of the soccer team about the dynamic of coming out of high school and being the big man or the big woman on campus, right? Like everyone's the star athlete. I'm sure you were a star lacrosse player in addition to being a multi-sport athlete, as many are. Um, do you think that the dynamic of showing up at the Naval Academy as the big man on campus as the star athlete and then finding out that everyone else is an amazing student and an amazing athlete, did that prepare you for what you've now seen in the corporate world, for what you've seen out of uniform in terms of, hey, you know what? It's it's not what you did yesterday. It's about what you're doing today. A hundred percent. I think that that could not be better advice for anybody who's transitioning out of, out of the service now. Um, I think, you know, coming out of high school, you know, I was an All-American and I didn't see a minute of playing time my freshman year at the academy, right? So you know, eating that humble pie and really realizing it's not about, like you said, what you've done, but it's what you're doing now. And I think the same thing holds true in the corporate world where you might've had a super successful career in the military, done a lot of really cool things, but at the end of the day that, you know, that's great, but you still have to show up and deliver every day and perform. You got to earn the respect of your, your coworkers and deliver because that you're only as good as, as your last, you know, sale or, you know, presentation, whatever it might be in your respective career. But that's something that, you know, understanding coming out that you got to still earn your stripes as uh, you're, you're coming out as a new guy and you got to figure it out. So you're earning your stripes, but also inculcating service into what you still do. Um, you know, and as I look at at O2X and what you're doing for first responders and government and and. Uh, you know, people who need these resources, you know, the physical conditioning, injury reduction and recovery, nutrition guidance, cognitive performance and stress reduction. We've talked about the impacts of stress and lack of fitness in the fleet from the collisions at sea in the seventh fleet AOR to my life as a surface warfare officer when they didn't talk about this shit at all. Like nutrition guidance, like hey, go down to Midrath's and grab your plate and then go stand a port and starboard watch. It just seems that there's so much goodness that O2X can deliver, not just to the Naval Academy and to the fleet, 
as you're doing at surface warfare, but but across the across the nation. So if, if you can just kind of unwrap that a tiny bit more. Yeah, I think this is like really an emerging um, area that a lot of organizations are really realizing that their most valuable component to their organization is their people, right? And a lot of time it's been hardware investing in hardware and the people kind of come second. And so what we've seen is that investment in the people and arming them with the resources to be successful is ultimately going to prove to to result in a, a really impactful outcome to perform on the job. I mean, we see that time and time again with, you know, fire departments where they have, you know, an incredibly high number of injuries. So by getting upstream of the issue and dealing with injury prevention and providing them the resources for saving certain organizations, you know, close to five or $6 million a year in injury reduction. Um, same thing on the Navy side is, you know, there is that culture of just kind of suck it up and get it done, but that's not necessarily the right answer. Uh, you know, to your point around the crew, the, the collisions at sea, we've been a part of the crew rest study out at NHRC working with LCS ships and, you know, that's, that's a huge, you know, win for us because it's like, we're, we're taking what we know we're good at and being able to deliver it to the folks that need it. Uh, and I think, you know, throughout my career, I had, you know, a human performance program for, for a certain period and it made a massive impact on my performance doing the job. And it's something that I wish that, you know, I would have had as a JO on a ship or, you know, in every community that I, I served in, there's an aspect that it needs to be implemented. And I think that, it's uh, it's definitely tough, but it's got to be a priority for leaders. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you want some more information on this, please go to www.o2x Oscar two X-ray dot com o2x dot com. It's right there on the front of the webpage, ladies and gentlemen. Ian and that crew—they're training our nation's heroes and improving the lives of tactical athletes through world-class human performance programs. Now, Ian, before I let you go. I was talking to the Naval Academy back during Army-Navy game. They've just received, the Alumni Association has received a big donation for kind of a human performance center in Halsey. How could O2X possibly help the Naval Academy as they are developing the midshipmen going forward? You know, they're evolving their training. It is not just two PRTs a year and get to the fleet. We are trying to uh, inculcate more human performance into what's happening at the Naval Academy. How could O2X help with that? I think a lot of what we we look to do is we don't want to replicate or duplicate anything that's already in place, right? So we like to look at organizations that already have a human performance program stood up and figure out how we can help round out. So, you know, partnering with the Stockdale Center, uh, being able to work on some leadership development in the resiliency space and how, you know, working with enlisted folks once they graduate, how to relate to them, how to understand them and how to better perform as a leader through that resiliency aspect, as well as helping dial in nutrition and the injury prevention side. I think a lot of, you know, reflecting back on my time as a mid, you know, guys were getting banged up all the time, even those that weren't on uh, the division one or club sports. Uh, and a lot of that we can help focus on, right, is, is developing programs to help support them and educate them around what right looks like in terms of injury prevention, strength conditioning. And the biggest thing uh, is sleep, you know, that's always do do more with less. And that's one aspect of just educating mids on how important sleep is where, Hey, you may be better off not staying up till two in the morning, cramming for an exam instead of getting that solid six, seven hours of sleep, because you're going to be performing better on that test. So there's a lot of things that I think that we can leverage uh, from our nexus of experts to help support the Academy. And obviously I would be super pumped to be able to do that and give back to uh, the place that 
that I love, my dad loves, he was class of 74. So this is uh, a place that holds a special place in my heart. Oh, shout out to the 74 guys out there. Mike Miller, Rusty Eiser, the rest of those, the rest of those boys. Well, Ian, it, it's so great talking to alumni. And I always ask them the same question as, as I let them take this segment out. And that is if you, if you could encapsulate what the importance of athletics and the Naval Academy, you know, what the importance of those two things were to you now, as you go forward as, you know, as a husband, as a father, as an executive, as a Darden school graduate, as someone who's trying to give back not only to your alma mater, but to our first responders nationwide, how much have you relied upon the foundation that you got as an athlete and a student at the Naval Academy? Every day. I mean, in every aspect, I think what I learned at the Academy translates into who I am today. Uh, a large part of that is balancing the, you know, 1800 different things you had on your plate uh, whether it be, you know, preparing for an exam for six weeks, 12 weeks, uh, preparing for a game practice, all of that, the time management and time allocation of resources really helped me as, as I, as I graduated and today in terms of figuring out where I need to put my eggs in what basket and how much time do I devote to one thing? Cause you're not going to be great at everything you do. It's just, it's impossible. You can't be the best father and the best, you know, person at the job at the same time, you got to be able to balance that. So I think, you know, teaching balance and how to really determine what's important was the biggest takeaway from uh, my time at the Academy playing sports. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Ian Crumley, class of 2012, member of the varsity lacrosse team for four years, and now doing great things with O2X Human Performance. Again, please check out www.o2x.com for more information. Ian, thank you so much for what you do. We'll see you the next time we have you on the pod. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Have a good day. So let's go to break. When we come back, Wags, Chris, and I will take this baby out. This is Sing Second Sports. All right, fans, our final set of announcements from NAAA. The Navy football team will hold an open practice Saturday, April 8th at 9 a.m. at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. Admission is free. Fans should enter the parking lot at Gate 5 and enter on the blue or press box side of the stadium. Practice will go from 9 to 11 a.m. with family-friendly activities taking place from 10 till noon. The voice of Navy football, Pete Medhurst, will be on the sidelines during practice, breaking things down for fans over the PA system. And after practice, there will be a Q&A led by Medhurst with head coach Brian Newberry, offensive coordinator Grant Chesnut, and defensive coordinator PJ Volker. So don't miss this great day with the Navy football team. Now back to the pod. All right, folks, we are back. Uh, great conversation with Ian Crumley. Great conversations all around this week. Love talking to Xavier Arline. Um, and of course, yeah, love, love, love the access that we get to the athletes and coaches every single week from NAAA and the sports information people. Thank you for that. Wags, let's take this thing out and let's start with a bang. All right. So they don't get a star and I guess they don't get a star for the next two years because of some ridiculous reason, but that doesn't mean we can't go up to army and punk Army West Point, which is exactly what rugby did this past weekend. Friday night lights, they go up there and beat Army 34 to 26. They maintain their number one ranking, and now they are done until the NCAA tournament or the you know 1A tournament uh, comes around in mid-April, 
Wags, what were your thoughts? Um, yeah, they, they put Army down early. Army tried to come back, but in the end, Gavin Hickey's boys, in particular Lewis Gray, had too much for him. Well, it's been an incredible inaugural season for Navy men's rugby. And when I covered the Cal match, I made the mistake of saying second season in my article because it just feels like they're in their second varsity season. It's hard to believe it was announced last year, but this is actually the first season. And, and I, Strauss pointed it out and I had to fix it. But, I mean, it's unremarkable that it is a first-year varsity sport. This team is 15-0, and 0, beating the likes of Cal, a, a perennial powerhouse, beating Army, which used to beat Navy regularly because Army was a varsity sport prior to Navy. Um, just so many impressive things. Ronan Krieger had a great game. Lewis Gray, who, you know, Coach uh, Gavin Hickey told me he should be a player of the year in the entire nation. He should get this this special trophy that goes to the player of the year. Um, and I, who would argue? He's been absolutely terrific. So just a tremendous performance, 15-0. And, and you know, let's win a national championship, John. Yeah, you know what goes better than an N-star? I, I would say a national title. Sure, I, let, sign me up. Uh, let's do it. Unfortunately, for the alumni who included uh, Chris Hoffman, uh, Chris Cleary, Adam Pipcorn, and a bunch of other huge names, but class of 96 really representing out there, the alumni turned around on Saturday and uh, battled it out against the alumni from Army Rugby. And unfortunately, they dropped that match. Uh, happy to report that Chris Hoffman came out of it with only an injured shoulder. He did not come out concussed and bloodied, as I predicted. But uh, hats off to them for going up there and, and keeping this tradition alive. Uh, and, and I really think we're going to get a national title out of this, uh, out of this rugby team. Hey. How about Navy baseball telling the Sing Second Sports podcast to shut the F up? We were all over Acosti's boys at the beginning of the year, getting smoked by Ohio. And then all they did is come out this weekend and sweep Lehigh and then get a split with Lafayette. Um, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what, Wags, I've, I've got to be impressed by what's going on, and particularly right-hander Thomas Russell uh, he limited the opposition to just two hits over career-high six innings in the nightcap of uh, yesterday's game, the series with uh, Lafayette. Um, it got them a much-needed split, but overall, over the weekend, getting three out of four against Patriot League competition, you've got to admire how Costi's boys have turned around, particularly pitching. Like, they are crushing it on the mound. Well, that's the story, John. The they've, Navy's always had the bats. Uh, the pitching had to improve, and it has. And, uh, you know, very impressive. Three out of four sweeping Lehigh on Saturday, split with Lafayette. As you mentioned, Thomas Russell was quick key. Um, I mean, I'm looking at the box score of the first Lehigh game, and, you know, what a performance by Colin Smith. Went three for four with two runs scored, two RBIs. And a shout-out to friend of the pod, Matt Munley, who is a, a Navy ticket a boss extraordinaire, but his son, Brendan had an RBI in that Lehigh game, the opener on Saturday. So just very impressive for the mids. Uh, and it is good to see them back. And they're really in contention in the, in the Patriot league, John, I mean, uh, looking at the standings here. So Bucknell leads six and two army three and one, and then Navy sits in third place, John at five and three. So that, that's good to see. That's, you know, Patriot league tournament territory. Uh, and you still got 
games with Army. Uh, you know, so it's just, you know, bottom line is winning record in the Patriot League. It's very good to see for Navy baseball. And hats off to Costi for getting the team turned around. He and the coaching staff. Yeah, they're they're killing it. And yeah, you stole my thunder. Um, you want to talk about proud moments? Uh, having known Brendan Munley since he was a young, young lad, uh, to see him, uh, although he turned his back on Broadneck High School, way to go. You know, I guess DeMatha is better than Broadneck, but, you know, I, I've, I've just got to say that that uh, Midshipman Munley, no one could be happier um, than, than the Sing Second Sports podcast, other than your parents, I suppose, about that RBI on Saturday. Uh, hats off to you. Um, finally, before we take this out, I've got a last word and then I'll send it over to Wags for his, but I wanted to say congrats to this recent class of distinguished graduates. I was able to go to the distinguished graduate ceremony on Friday night, uh, major general Leo Williams, Ronald nickel, Admiral James Stavridis, the mad Greek, as we used to call him in uniform, rear Admiral Julius Caesar and rear and Admiral Cecil Haney, um, were all, um, honored as this recent class of distinguished graduates. It's just a great night for midshipmen to hear from, from midshipmen and, and leaders and people of consequence and from so many different backgrounds. Uh, we would be remiss if we did not congratulate the recent grads, all of whom were athletes in some way, shape, or form. Wags, over to you for your last take before we take this baby out. Well, with regard to the distinguished graduates, when I was a kid growing up, and, you know, I, I loved reading the sports page. That's how come I'm a sports reporter, because as a kid, I could not wait to read the sport pages, the sports sections of the Baltimore Sun and especially the Capitol. I loved the local sports, high school sports, Navy sports. And when I was about 12 or 14, Leo Williams was in the paper on a regular basis. He was one of the most dominant high jumpers of his era, ended up you know, I believe he qualified for the Olympics. Um, I know he went to at least the several Olympic, um, you know, trials. But Leo Williams was is probably to this day the best, greatest high jumper in Navy history. And I was unaware until I read the distinguished graduate, uh, you know, press release of what his incredible accomplishments were postgraduate. So that very cool. And you got to love anyone named Julius Caesar. That's a, you know, an all-time name. He should be a distinguished graduate just for that. Wags, anything else from you before we take this out? Well, yeah, two things. Uh, looking forward to covering two events. Wednesday night at Camden Yards, Navy Baseball versus UMBC and a special little promotional gig. It's always cool for the college guys to go to a major league park. I'm going to go up there and cover that. It'll be a, a fun time. Looking forward to ho hopefully seeing a Navy player hit one out of Oriole Park. And then on Friday night, as you mentioned, the game against Boston University, Boston's uh, second place in the Patriot League. To me, it's a, an opportunity for Navy to make a real statement uh, that they're a contender in the Patriot League, take down one of the top teams. So uh, those two events are on my radar, and I'll, we'll be out at football again on Thursday doing some interviews. So uh, looking forward to another good week of Navy athletics, John. Yeah, we'll be tag teaming it this week, ladies and gentlemen. Wags will be up at Camden Yards. Um, I'll be down at uh, at Women's Lacrosse. Uh, so you'll be getting a twofer from the Sing Second Sports team for sure. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, getting these teams home. It's been a while since we've had some home games, a lot of away fixtures, and uh, 
And yeah, look forward to next week, ladies and gentlemen, as the college football or as the college basketball season ends with next weekend's Final Four. We're going to bring back in Mike Heary and Pete Medhurst, the voice of Navy sports and Navy basketball, to break down what this season was and what next season might look like. And we'll also have another great alumni interview as well. For Chris Cervello and Bill Wagner, I am John Schofield. Many thanks to our guests this week. Many thanks to Ian Crumley and what O2X is doing uh, for first responders and DOD out there. Many thanks to Xavier Arline uh, for for being patient with us out at practice. And many thanks to you, the listeners, uh, for sticking with us as we tell the stories of Navy sports. We'll see you next week. This is Sing Second Sports. We are out. Thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments.